hello, Amantha. Are you are you ready to lose like three or four of our listeners? Ah, uh, do you think only three or four? That's, <laughs> okay. That seems optimistic. <laughs> fine. Are you ready to lose? We have five to begin with. So All of our five maybe, listeners. Maybe the end of our podcast. I don't know. Today's the day. Burn it down. Oh, I mean, hello, everyone. This is perhaps it's you. Hi. We're apparently an Unsolved Mysteries rewatch podcast. Sure. Right, and... That seems real not important. <laughs> So not important. Uh, my name is Liz. I'm, I'm Samantha. <laughs> I have an issue. I have a. I have an issue in Zencast where my full name isn't displayed, but it's fine. This is an audio medium. You fine. can't see that. You know what? It's a real make do and men situation. Who the <laughs> yeah. fuck cares? So you may be aware that we usually record this podcast in Minneapolis, and what I loving refer to as the Witch District. What you may not be aware of is that the Witch District is in South Minneapolis, which I don't know. Maybe you've seen in the news lately. <laughs> it's possible because it's been on fire. I'm here to tell you <laughs> that we're still alive. Uh, the podcasting room is still standing. The pod dogs still the there. The pod dogs are fine. They're, they've been a kind of freaked out. It's been a few days now of sirens uh audible tear gas police and straight up military helicopters flying Tanks. over i have not actually seen a tank but they are around the military the the national <laughs> guard was phrase. called out what a phrase i've actually seen a tank what's okay what this is the least important part of what we're gonna get into but what is so eerie and what i never would have known about riots is that during the day everything seems fine like right now, everything is peaceful. Birds are chirping. Everything is like lush and green. Like flowers are blooming, right? Like the other day, I literally saw a rainbow. And then it's just like, oh, but also everything is boarded up because police violence has led to a situation where things are being burned down. So there's a there's a real dramatic contrast. Yeah. That's that's eerie. I sort of feel like, so we're recording today. What is today? May Sunday. 31st? Sunday. Yep, Sunday. So, yeah, it's been like five days, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you don't know, what started this is that the police murdered a man named George Floyd outside of a business called Cup Foods, which is about a mile away from here. Uh, the cop who did this has killed like three other people. Yeah. That he was not really disciplined for or prosecuted for in any meaningful way uh, and on people... top of countless other police brutality yeah. complaints oh, yeah. against against but him not murdered... an isolated incident he's murdered four people some people are calling him a serial killer i don't know if that counts but sure that's very alarming uh when people rightfully came to protest this instance of police violence the police responded by shooting them with tear gas and rubber bullets into a peaceful crowd. Also, arresting no one because no one was actually breaking the law. On top of that, something particularly evil about shooting tear gas at protesters that are wearing masks because of a pandemic. Oh yeah, did I mention there's a pandemic? <laughs> <laughs> I've actually like 
kind of forgotten there's a pandemic. It's really easy to forget. There's been a lot going on. And we've all been like out and running around and trying to help. And at this point, I probably have COVID. I don't know. Like, it's hard to social distance when there's all these other factors. So, um, yeah, the police escalated the situation. We lost an auto zone and a Wendy's. <laughs> RIP auto zone burned to the ground. The second night, the police station burned to the ground and then fireworks were lit off in celebration. Uh, they, I think at this point, finally charged that dude, but with third degree murder. Mm-hmm. What? Third and, degree. And it wasn't just him. Uh, by now, I think most people have seen the news yes. reports. There's three other officers that are still free, have not been charged. They have not been charged. There's a second. I haven't watched either of these videos. Okay, I don't really want to see videos of murder myself. Uh, blah. Uh, but there's a second video from the other side of the street that shows that two, at least two other officers are kneeling on top of him. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not just standing around doing nothing, which is bad enough. They should be charged for that. But I think they're actively participating in his murder. And they haven't been charged yet. So, yeah. but rather then charge these officers they have decided to escalate everything bring in the national guard you know shoot all these protesters they shot a photojournalist in the eye she now is blind in her left eye because they shot at her in the face with a rubber bullet yeah it it boggles the mind um i don't really know what's gonna happen i um we, d- we discussed the possibility of not doing a show this week because of what's going on, which would have been fair. But I kind of just wanted, you know, to, to take a moment to, to complain. That, <laughs> which is valid. Which is valid. Hey, I'm right here. I'm right here. <laughs> uh, that if you're, if you're clutching your pearls over, like, a target getting looted more than a man being murdered really examine that like that's super gross and that has been i think one of the most frustrating for me personally that's one of the most frustrating aspects of this is that i've seen so much hemming and hawing about property damage and less about the fact that the police are just allowed to murder people and are above the law like, if, if Samantha and I killed someone in the street and that was recorded on video, would we go home and sleep on our in our own beds? Like, I don't think so. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> would, not. Would we be arrested right on the spot? Because there's, there's – we all know they did it. There's clear evidence. <laughs> and somehow it's like, well, we have to look into it further and all this bullshit. So yeah. it's not really a surprise that a Target got looted. And guess what? We can build another Target. There's only one George Floyd. Even fucking Target said, we can build another Target. Target read the room and went, you know what's going to be good PR for us? <laughs> if we admit that our store is not really that important, because it's not. No, it's, it's not. just a building full it's of building. things that can be replaced. Yeah, it's just a bunch of bullshit. We don't need it. It. I I can't say for sure that this is good or bad. I think it's just inevitable. I think you can only push people so far years of peaceful protesting hadn't worked right this cop was killing people still on the force this is just what happens i and we'll see i i'm personally hopeful some good is going to come out of it the 
Minneapolis public schools have severed their contract with the Minneapolis Police Department. I see that as positive. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, it seems like the whole world is watching us right now. There was there was a vigil for George Floyd in Iran. There were protests in Tokyo. Like that's that's amazing to me. And the amount of like community effort and support and donations, like you have no idea. Minnesotans love to cooperate. Yes. <laughs> you should I hope everyone has seen the photos. I get on Twitter, everyone, because there's photos of just lawns covered in donated food just like like overflowing donation sites are turning people away because they have so much like because they literally don't have room to store the stuff like um friend of the pod rochelle yesterday got some money together i think it was the 550 dollars and she went and she bought diapers because now that some stores have been destroyed there's going to be problem and public transportation is like shut down. People are going to have trouble just like getting their basic things. Right. So she went and she bought all of these diapers and wipes and like food for toddlers and stuff. She tried to donate that two places yesterday and they couldn't take donations anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so she ended up leaving because they're like literally like beyond capacity. So she left it on my porch overnight and then I went and dropped it off this morning. And seriously, there's lines of cars of people waiting to donate. Mac and I went out yesterday to Lake Street, which was one of the harder hit areas, to help clean up. And there were so many people walking around with brooms. Like, you could barely find a mess to clean up. (laughs) There's just (laughs) armies of people walking around with brooms and trash bags, like, eagerly trying to help. Before we started recording, I was telling Samantha that I feel like my neighborhood is, like, half queer anarchist witches and, like, half older people white people who listen to NPR every day and so you've got a lot of people that are like burn it down and you've got a lot of people that are like don't rock the boat ever but you know where though that Venn diagram meets (laughs) it's helping people right now it's like providing snacks it's yeah giving food and diaper the pie shop is giving out free pie today like everybody's (laughs) just like how can we help and that's very heartwarming to see yeah. I, I guess what I – I think I got a little sidetracked, but what I wanted to <laughs> talk about when we're talking about, like, looting and things getting burned down is that property damage is not violence. Like, you can't equate that with the police attacking people, the police murdering people. Like, I am sad to see some of these community businesses and resources go. Like, that. I that's not positive, but it's not necessarily violence. That's not the right – way to talk about it that's gross when we're talking about police violence that's a systemic issue too so that you can't equate you can't equate looting a target with (laughs) systemically racist institution come on yeah and also if if the only thing the powers that be care about is money like is that a way to hit them where it hurts i don't know it seems to have gotten people's attention yeah maybe it's working i i thought it was amazing that the owner of Gandhi Mahal. So people had tried to protect, this is a very beloved Indian restaurant in town. People had like tried to protect it for looting. It sort of inevitably ended up cutting, catching on fire. And the owner of the restaurant said, let it burn. Justice needs to be served. What? That's amazing yeah. to me. Yeah. That's absolutely amazing. We definitely look, there's a pandemic. <laughs> Things are going to have to rebuild. Blah, blah, blah. But someday in the distant future we need to have a podcast meet up there. I just... I'm so impressed by that. 
It's and it's amazing because there's so many people that don't live in the community, right? They are pearl clutching. What about the small businesses? And it's like, well, why don't you listen to what the small businesses are saying? Because that also wasn't even an isolate. You can find threads of other local businesses saying the same exact thing. So be quiet. <laughs> And yeah, listen maybe, to like, what listen. the yeah. community is, is saying. I understand it's a tense time. People are nervous. People are scared or whatever. I get that. Like, I don't want my house to burn down. I don't. But there's bigger stuff going on, too. Like, right. don't just focus on the fact that a target got looted. Who cares? Yep. Let's Let's deal with this police it's like i don't even know yeah it's like beyond corruption part of the problem is so the minnesota police like don't live in i'm sorry the minneapolis police don't live in minneapolis they're all like right racist white people from the burbs that are like very scared of the cities 95 percent of minneapolis pd live in the suburbs that's essentially the entire police force are coming in to police a community that they do not live in. That they do not live in, that they have no connection to, and are afraid of, it seems like, because these tactics are such overkill. I They're also, yesterday, starting at least yesterday, maybe before that, there was this idea that we were being infiltrated by white supremacists and all these people from out of state were coming to, like, make the situation worse. Maybe that happened, I'm sure some people took advantage of just chaos, but I also think people are fed up. Like, I don't think you can say it's just one thing or another. And yeah, and the idea of it's like, oh, well, it's these outside agitators. It's like, yeah, the cops. Like, that's that's who the outside yeah, agitators let's talk about are. Outside agitators, they, the, the they, police don't they live don't, in Minneapolis. They don't live here. You're, you're firing tear gas at people that are trying to protest your own... Not even, I don't even know if you can call it a mistake, like your own horrible, atrocious actions. And you respond to that with more horrible, atrocious actions. Like your reaction to that is like, oh, I should tear gas this crowd. I learned only yesterday, you can't even use tear gas in warfare. Like that's a human rights violation. But somehow you can use it against protesters. During a pandemic? Yeah. (laughs) A respiratory illness? Yeah. Cool. Cool. So, (laughs) all right, to sum all that up, we have decided we want to try to do the tiniest little bit of good that we can. We're taking our June Patreon money. So whatever we get after Patreon takes their cut, obviously, uh, that's going to be passed on to an organization called Reclaim the Block. That is a local org uh, in the Twin Cities that works on moving city funding from the police department to community health and safety. Editing Samantha here, breaking in to let you know that mere hours after we recorded this episode on Sunday, Reclaim the Block announced that they have received so many donations that they are now encouraging people to direct their money to other community groups. The group we have decided to donate our June Patreon money to is McGeezy, which is a Native American community and cultural center for Native American youth. Okay, now back to the show. So we would much rather the money went to that than to us. So that is what will happen to your Patreon money in June. You'll obviously, you'll still get all your rewards and whatever, but that's where the actual money is going to go. And I'm excited about that. Me too. And we have such great listeners, and we have heard from a lot of them making sure that we're okay, we're okay asking how they can help, blah, blah, blah. So, which, you know, thank you for that. You guys are so sweet. 
So we want to make sure that you're, you know, you supporting our show is also supporting this community. And I think that'll be a great way to do that. I agree. Any final thoughts before we start talking about Unsolved Mysteries? <laughs> I don't have, you pretty, you summed it up just really well. I, I just feel like Unsolved Mysteries, this feels so insignificant to talk about Unsolved Mysteries, I mean, but I also feel like this is, in a way it was nice to just sit down and watch Unsolved Mysteries and be like, okay, I'm just going to hear about a psychic from the 80s now. Yeah. yeah. I think it's kind of relevant. Like, I thought about this. Like, some podcasts are are doing a podcast blackout. They're not having an episode this week in honor of George Floyd, and I think that's very nice. But because we are based in Minneapolis, it did seem like we should say something. Like, we're right here. It seems like we should say something. And um, also, Unsolved Mysteries, I think it tries to skirt around pr- police violence, but it's not not in there. Like, police corruption is definitely a factor in some of these mysteries not being solved and the fact the police being the villains are the reason why these mysteries aren't solved so it's not completely irrelevant no i i I completely agree with you i think that's a fabulous perspective because it's it's really true and that's the a part of true crime which unsolved mysteries you know on our podcast isn't totally true crime but it's a part of true crime that you can't you can't have both, right? You can't talk about crimes and not talk about the justice system, which is broken. Yeah, that's what's so weird about that complaint. I, we've gotten it. I feel like every podcast has gotten it where people are like, oh, don't bring your politics into my true crime podcast. And it's kind of like, how? What? Like, we're going to talk about the police department. We're not going to talk about politics. Like, you could say everything's political and there's definitely merit to that. But there's certainly the police department is political. The funding of the police department is political. Who they choose to investigate is political. Like, what? <laughs> what? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, also, just, this is maybe not that important, but something I've thought about on this podcast and never really discussed with Samantha is that I feel like if your show is based in New York or L.A., you talk about that, right? Like, you make a big deal about that. But somehow, if you're somewhere else in the United States, you're supposed to kind of like, I don't know, act like it could be anywhere. You know, it's like a little bit more anonymous. Yeah. You know, that's a really good observation. That is totally true. But I feel like from the beginning, we've been like, this is in Minnesota. This is a Minnesota-based podcast. Here is some great stuff about Minnesota, right? Like, I am I mean, I'm a transplant. I'm here because I love it. I love this neighborhood. And I, I love living here. Like. Let's talk about things that are going on and like cool stuff that's here and, you know, whatever. Whereas not only New York or L.A. should be able to like, you know, talk about their community. So that's part of why I feel like it's relevant. Also, we just need we need justice for George, man. Yep. This is fucking bullshit. Okay, now let's talk about a psychic from the 80s. (laughs) (laughs) What a great you know what? What a great segue. You know what? Here's the thing about the psychic is that he's still around, and I'll get to that in a minute. So this is a, a segment from the '80s, but George Anderson is still going strong in his psychic career. So huh. uh, this is episode—I don't think I said episode five. Oh no, sorry, season five, episode ten. Right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Take it away. All right. So this is the unexplained. Um, and Unsolved Mysteries is profiling a psychic named George Anderson Anderson from Lynnhurst, New York. So George Anderson claims that he can communicate with spirits of deceased loved ones. 
1958, he was stricken with chickenpox and developed, I'm not going to be able to pronounce this, encephalomyelitis. I think that was perfectly correct. (laughs) An inflammation of the brain and spinal cord. He nearly died, but when he recovered, he began hearing voices of people who had already died. Decades later, he began helping people with his power so they can uh, speak to and be at peace with their deceased relatives. He has held thousands of psychic readings for people across the country. And in the episode, there's a few different things going on. First of all, they talk about um, two specific families that he helped. And in doing so, for some reason, they, they like reenact it, but they specifically don't use George Anderson. They use an actor and they base their reenactment off of transcripts of the readings. I don't know. It's kind of strange. I guess because he was younger, but you wouldn't think Unsolved Mysteries cares about that because they have bad reenactments where people are the wrong age all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't really see why they couldn't have him in it. And it must have been weird for him to like see this guy playing him being psychic. What do you think? <laughs> it's, it's very strange. And normally Unsolved Mysteries tries to get like the loved ones, the family members, the people involved to be in the reenactments. But maybe George was, wasn't about that acting. Uh, anyway, in 1980, he met radio host Joel Martin and gave Joel information about his deceased wife, Shirley. Joel convinced George to undergo tests with the chief of neurology at a hospital in New York City. And we see him like going and do like a CAT scan or something with like electrodes on his head. Um, the results of this test was that, uh, his EEG was extremely unusual and showed half sleep and half waking patterns. It's really not clear what that means (laughs) or how that means he's psychic, but it's something about, about his brain. And then in 1982, George met Barbara and John Licata, who he gave information to about their deceased son, David. Later, Unsolved Mysteries filmed a session with George and the parents of Barry Silverman, who had died from cancer. They do do a live reading in the episode um, with the parents of uh, Barry Silverman, who had died from cancer. Um, And it's, I mean, he knows, he knows, like, Unsolved Mysteries says that as far as they know, he has no prior information about Barry Silverman or his family. Um, Barry's father and mother and I think sister or aunt is there Um, and he knows the name Barry which is not like a super common name Um, he knows right away that they have lost someone which is would probably be easy to guess but um, and it it really moves you can tell that George Anderson has like the, the purpose of what he's doing is to help families find closure which i don't know if this guy is a psychic or not i'm not even, i'm not sure i believe in psychics um i have an article pulled up about cold reading that i could give you some information about because if he is yeah, a grifter yeah. if he is a grifter i'm not saying that he is but if he is he's probably doing a, re- a technique called cold reading um and i'm reading off of wikipedia uh cold reading is um in contrast to hot reading if a psychic does hot reading it means that they've done some covert like Oh, digging okay. to get information sure. like uh, an example of someone they doing stalked you a little bit yes they can do that especially now modern psychics can like fi- you know if you're going to an event they have your name they can look you up 
um, and get Facebook information. They also, some psychics who do hot rating have been known to like send people out into crowds like before an event to like mingle and talk and get information from people. That would be hot reading. Cold reading is a technique um, where the the psychic has no prior knowledge. A practice cold reader, I'm reading off Wikipedia now, can quickly obtain a great deal of information by analyzing the person's body language, age, clothing, fashion, hairstyle, um, religion, etc., um, they typically yeah, start by get an impression of someone, you know, right. yeah. you see someone, you sort of make the snap judgment about like what their lifestyle is like. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I hope people don't look at me and go, that bitch eats a cracker barrel, but maybe they do. <laughs> I don't know. Well, a typical, typical cold reader will start by asking, um, like, general questions and based on your reactions to those questions um and then coupling that with information that they can observe then they sort of make these statements that you may interpret as them knowing something that they would have no way of knowing um and like i said i'm not saying that gary and the george anderson is cold reading but i will say in this reading that we see um, him doing on unsolved mysteries i did notice a few things oh tell us tell us <laughs> well f- for instance so he does um okay the notes i took were actually from one of the reenactments it was actually the um parents whose son died in a car accident i believe yeah, that was right, right um john lakata so people come to him right because typically to connect with deceased loved ones So he's sitting in front of like a middle-aged married couple who are very upset. It's a good guess that their son died or that a child has died. They're generally probably young enough to still, still have parents who are alive. So it's a good guess that they may have lost a child. They confirm that. And, Illness or accident? That's kind of a 50-50, 50-50. He says, did I, I'm seeing that there may have been an accident. They confirm that. What is a likely accident? These people are are a little bit older, so there's a good chance that they have a teenage they, that their child was a teenager. What's a likely cause of accidental death with a teenager? A car accident. So he says, "I'm I'm seeing a vehicle. Is, is does that mean something?" And they say, "Yes, that was it was a car accident." And then he says, I mean, "I'm seeing statistically probable, right?" Isn't that like the number one cause of death for teenagers is car accidents? At least it was when I was a kid and people were telling me to wear my seatbelt. Look, people certainly told us that. I don't know if it's true. I don't know if it's true or not, but it's certainly up there, right? Um, Then he goes on to say that their son was restless and emotional. Well, they just told you that their son was 16 when he died. What 16-year-old isn't (laughs) emotional and restless? And then after... Your son had like a zen, stoic calm. Would you say that's true? Oh, no. He was turbulent, emotional, going through puberty. Huh. Hmm. Right. So nothing that he's saying is like, he didn't say, I'm seeing that your son had a birthmark on his right hand, right? There's there's nothing that's like, it it struck me as being similar to cold reading, but maybe George Anderson is- Also, the smallest bit of information, it's like the smallest- little piece of bread to like pull them on a tree you know what i mean it's not like you come out with all of this right away you don't go oh your son was 16 and died in a car you like you get give them one tiny morsel you see if that's right then you give them like if they had said like i'm not sure why it would be a vehicle you would he would have moved to something else 
I feel exactly. like. And been like, oh, well, maybe you were going to give him a car. So anyway, <laughs> when he right. died in that mine shaft, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, he that's drove, exactly. He drove it. a car to the park where he died. So oof, there you go. Like, I don't know. Right. It's it's not very concrete. It's not very concrete. It's vague enough that you can get information and it builds upon, which is a hallmark of cold reading. Um, the I guess the other thing I will say is that he, George is very good at this. So maybe he is a psychic. I don't know. The The actual reading that we witnessed later in the episode um, with the parents of Barry Silverman, it, it's impressive, right? The, the way he just pulled the name Barry out of seemingly nowhere is impressive. The other thing is that he has a, he clearly has a way with people. He, after he comes up, you know, he, he sees interacts with Barry, whatever it, you know, whatever it is he's, he's seeing, he gives them some information. And then he has, this is, seems to be true in all of his readings. And probably it's a, a, a feature of him specializing in families, grieving families. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. He sort of gives these comforting words. Like, you know, I, I'm sensing that someone's blaming themselves for, for Barry's death. Like, oh is that, you I, yeah and, and it's really hard to watch the family yeah. being so upset but you can also feel and they confirm it in the interviews with unsolved mysteries that they got a lot of comfort from this the psychic reading because george gives them a lot of comforting words he says your son doesn't blame you um i can sense that you've been torn up about this for years and he wants you to know that he's in a better place you know what I, i'm not saying the exact words but he has some really comforting words and you can tell he's helping give them closure right. so whether or not he's a psychic or, or if he's doing a cold reading or hot reading technique, um, I guess I, I can't say if it's right or wrong. Because it does seem like he's bringing something to these families that it is It has positive. a therapeutic benefit. Yeah. And I don't know. Okay. So I, he, he's still around. He has georgeanderson.com, which props to you for getting that. There's probably a million George Andersons. <laughs> Props to you for getting that domain name. Um, it was it was 1995, and he went. You know what? I think this internet thing is going to stick around. I'm <laughs> I'm coughing up the 50 bucks for GeorgeAnderson.com. So I don't know his full depth and breadth of, of work over the years. His tagline on his website is the world's most scientifically tested medium. So that's cool. And if you go to his about page, you can see all of these things that he's done. Um, all these TV shows he's been on. Very impressive. But I'm reminded of like Sylvia Brown, right? Like a very controversial figure because Sylvia Brown would do things like give psychic readings to parents whose children have gone missing and tell them that your child is still alive out there somewhere. And which has been very damaging. Or um, she would do things like she would give psychic readings to families whose loved ones had died by suicide and would say, oh, it wasn't actually suicide. It was whatever. Fill in the blank. And that's incredibly damaging. Um, And it's not bringing closure. It's bringing more turmoil to families that are you know, going through something horrendous. So it doesn't appear. <laughs> I'm not saying that he has has not done those things, but it, it appears from what we saw in Unsolved Mysteries that he was giving readings to families um, as a way of connecting them with their loved ones, not giving them, not solving. You know, S- Sylvia brought it up. Some of these psychics are like working with police departments <laughs> to bring us right. back to, yeah. uh, to bring us a little bit full circle here. Uh, and like, yeah, it it really is a fine line. Like, how predatory is it? Like, 
how much money is he getting from people? How much is he, yeah, interrupting the grieving process versus helping people deal with their emotions and move on? Like, from just this segment, it didn't seem harmful. It seemed positive. I, I guess it's hard to say. Yeah. For sure, one way or the other. Anyway, he's still um, giving readings. Um, you can go to georgeanderson.com and uh, uh, learn about the stuff he's on Facebook and Twitter. I will also say, you know, maybe this is a testament to his psychic abilities. I'm, I'm not sure if this photo of him is recent, but it kind of looks like George Anderson has not aged a day. <laughs> I'm uh, that's not real recent, then. <laughs> I'm so, that's the guess. I'm that's my psychic ability. <laughs> I'm guessing that's not the most recent photo. Probably not. Um, yeah, do I don't know. He could connect us with Robert Stack, or do you think it has to be someone you actually had a connection with in life? <laughs> you know what? I I don't think people typically come to him to be connected with t- deceased celebrities they never met, but. Maybe. I mean, he could talk to the dead, right? I don't know if Robert Stack would want to talk to us. You think Robert Stack uh, is beyond the veil? That's a good point. Thinking about us? No. We shouldn't, <laughs> waste this. we shouldn't waste this ghost time. Yeah, Robert Stack probably has important things to do. He needs to, like, contact his family or, I don't know, just be moved on and having, having threesomes every day. Hanging yeah. out on his ghost yacht. I don't know. Yeah. I... I feel like I did not do this segment justice because this is what I wrote down. Excellent sweater. And then (laughs) is he psychic? Who cares? That's what I wrote down. I might have been a little distracted by Twitter at the time. Oh, Uh, totally understandable. Sorry. I was a little distracted because I'm still on his website. And to get a reading with this guy, it's going to cost you $1,200. Okay. That does seem kind of expensive. (laughs) That's that's he's reduced his price due to COVID. I'm assuming he's doing like Zoom sessions now, and so it's the price is is down to a thousand dollars a session. Oh, big bargain. Um. That's okay. So, oh, if he, okay, and that's only for one or two people. It's seventeen hundred dollars for three people, and a family session is two thousand. What if it's a family but it's only three people? Is that? That's <laughs> a technicality. I think okay. it's a an aside. Samantha is that they looted a TJ. A TJ Maxx was looted. You know the, the most surprising thing about that is that it it wasn't us. <laughs> we weren't there. Do you know how many Betsy Johnson earrings and scented candles I could have right now? We had looted a TJ Maxx. Listeners, I know you find this hard to believe, but uh... Liz and I were not the ones looting that TJ Maxx. It wasn't. Me and Liz are the only ones there looting the TJ Maxx. That did not happen. No. I wish it had happened. That's not my uh, kind of my. That's kind of now unofficially my. You know dream. what though? I don't, don't want to get in trouble. TJ Maxx would not have been my first choice to loot though. If I oh, being where honest. would you? Where would you go? Oh, Marshalls. Okay. Oh, really? Okay. Um, Marshalls or a Home Goods? Actually, yeah. probably Home Goods. Now that I'm thinking about it, yeah. only because they they just have a better selection of. I want the earrings though. We might have to make two stops. <laughs> It's true. They Home Goods does not have accessories. I mean, so. I, I never look at clo- the clothes anymore at TJ Maxx or Marshalls. Like that section is dead to me. I treat it more like a dry goods store. But I, <laughs> where I'm like, oh, I'll get my soap and my olive oil <laughs> and whatever. But if we're looting, I kind of want some earrings. I don't yeah. know. 
Yeah, I don't know. You're right. I'm because I haven't been able to go because of COVID. I haven't been able to just wander around Marshalls aimlessly and come home with 14 candles. I am low on candles. I am. This is the most insignificant, unimportant thing in the entire world. Well, but uh, if I had a chance to loot a Marshalls, you better believe I'd come out with all those candles. I've heard a rumor, and probably TJ Maxx's and Marshalls have reopened now. At least things in Minnesota could reopen, which. I would be ranting and raving about that if we didn't have other stuff going on. That's insane. But I had heard that that all that stuff was going to be extra cheap because they've just been getting all this stuff while stores have been closed. And like they were like, oh, no, we don't know what to do with all these scented candles. <laughs> They're going to be a dollar. And I was like, oh, man. And I won't want to go because I don't want to get COVID. I know. That's the problem. Yeah. Well, it wasn't us. Also... Am I a little bit insulted that no one in my family checked in to see if I burned down that police station and I needed bail money? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. A little bit. No. Though, you may have seen people suggesting that you donate to the Minnesota Freedom Fund, which is a fund to help people get bail, which bail is a totally unfair system, but that's a conversation for another day. Uh, that fund has gotten $20 million. So incredible. From all over the world. Yeah. $20 million to the point where they were like, okay, stop giving us money. <laughs> There's only so many bails. Like, <laughs> please give to these other orgs. I, I just think that's so amazing. Yeah, me too. So, no, I didn't burn down a police station. No, I didn't loot a TJ Maxx. Just bummed about that one. <laughs> could solve I wish this. we had looted that TJ Maxx. <laughs> It's been a minute since we've been to a TJ Maxx, and let me tell you, it's we're not at the point of looting one yet, but this goes on any longer. (laughs) Maybe it's coming. I don't know. Restaurants are supposed to be opening June 2nd? That's like, yeah, tomorrow. Oh, my God. I thought they were, tomorrow or Tuesday, restaurants are opening. I'm not going to a fucking restaurant. (laughs) We are so doomed. No. I did eat some free pie today from the pie shop. Mac dec- Mac was like, I don't know if that's a good idea. And I was like, look, I really could go for a slice of free pie. <laughs> Thanks, I've been getting takeout, But I'm not going to go sit at a restaurant. I've been getting, there's a smoothie place where I, near where I live. And you can place your order for a smoothie bowl online. And they'll just Ooh. put it on the table outside their door. Delicious. Maybe All I'm right. getting COVID from one of those smoothies, but they are so good. <laughs> Now I'm just picturing me like hiding outside like a raccoon trying to steal smoothie bowls. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very, uh, this is the other thing about Minnesota, right? It's like very, like, they're not worried about anyone stealing those smoothie bowls. You just have like, a post-it note with your name on it. And I, it could be anyone coming up and picking it up. Now, so much of this stuff is just like, oh, we'll leave it outside for you. Yeah. Like, All right. You weirdos. <laughs> oh, my God. Other, other such a minor complaint in these trying times i'm playing you know last night oof stressful right looking at the looking at the twitter feed seeing things are really going down in chicago people are stealing police horses and riding them around (laughs) fucking john cusack is getting beat with police batons and i'm like what it's like all right before i go to bed i need to like not be so hot i'm gonna play some animal crossing try to unwind i playing animal crossing i shoot down one of those presents on a balloon right that always has the most random shit in it <laughs> i got a police uniform <laughs> i was like i don't want this <laughs> of all the times to get a police you un- no <laughs> no 
It just you could just seemed... throw it in the garbage. In I, the... Wish, I wish there was. No, I, I sold that shit for bells so fast. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, I think that might be all we have to say about George the, the maybe psychic. Is wearing well, that's a definitely all I have. That's all I have to say about George Anderson. Uh, he okay. has really nice hair. He's, he's very salt and pepper. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, I have nothing else to say. Full head of hair on that guy. Okay. Uh, then we get an unnecessary update. It's about three siblings finding each other, and it's very heartwarming and sweet, but we already did it! Yeah, it's like the whole segment again. We don't need that again! Why are you doing this to me, Unsolved Ministries? Get off my dick. Okay. <laughs> now it's time for an unexplained death. This is a good case, I will say. This is the case of Jacqueline DeWallaby, which Mac was just like walking by. He was like, why are you watching something about wallabies? And I was like, no, they're <laughs> it's not it's not the wallaby. I kind of wish it was, but it's not Jacqueline, the cartoon character who's a wallaby. It's the wallaby is the last name. OK, so this takes place in Midlothian, Illinois. Uh, so it starts with David DeWallaby and his son, also named David, because he's not creative. We're up early. Uh, he was like getting his son breakfast and stuff. At this point, David DeWallaby noticed that the front door was partially open, but he thought that his elderly mother who lived with them had left it open. So their mom lives with them, but she has like a separate basement apartment sort of thing. So to get to her unit, I think she uses their front door and, you know, whatever. Maybe she had gone out or come in and like left the door open. So he noticed the door was open, but he didn't really think that much about it. Um, two hours later, his wife, Cynthia, gets up and goes into her daughter Jacqueline's bedroom to wake her up. Uh, at this, Then she realizes that Jacqueline is not in her bed. She goes to go ask her husband if he's seen Jacqueline. And he was like, no, I thought she was in her room. So they just assume that she's playing outside in the neighborhood because they're like much less paranoid people than I would be. So they, so David goes out and he's like looking around the neighborhood. He's asking all the neighbors. Um and then they realize that nobody's found her. And at that same point, Cynthia, who's been looking around the house, realizes that not only is Jacqueline not in her room, but her, like, quilt or comforter isn't on the bed either. And that's weird because that's not something she would take with her. Um, so at this point, I think they're going to over to their next door neighbor's house. And at that point, Cynthia's, like, walking past their house and realizes that a, a window into that basement apartment has been broken in. So at that point, they call the police. The police and the FBI come, and they're to investigate a kidnapping. However, no ransom call is made. They monitor the phones for, like, four days, and nothing comes. Four days later, her body is discovered in a field in the nearby suburb of Blue Island. Uh, her comforter was with the body as long, along with a length of rope that was used to kill her. Uh, shortly after this, David and Cynthia are accused of her murder. The reason for this was that the window looked like it might have been smashed from the inside instead of from the outside. So they asked David, the FBI asked David to take a polygraph test. He actually was told that he passed that with flying colors. After that, the state of Illinois wanted him to take a polygraph test. They were saying they had like different experts than the FBI. Could he take another one? He is trying to cooperate with the investigation. I think I would have been like, no. Fuck you. <laughs> Please quit harassing me and my family during this horrible time. Our daughter is dead. But he, you know, is trying to help. He agrees to take another one. That one is inconclusive. And they wrote in the port that he was uncooperative. And he explains that when he was uncooperative, they said they wanted to test 
part of taking a lie detector test is they test you like knowingly lying to like compare it to the other results so i would be like hi my name's samantha and they would like record what it's like when it's lying right but the lie they asked him to tell was that he had killed his daughter yeah gee i wonder why and he was <laughs> why like, they were asking that like, um i'll say something else but i'm not gonna say that and so they decided that he was uncooperative it also doesn't surprise me because lie detectors are just stress tests, it doesn't surprise me that after that he was stressed out and then his thing is considered inconclusive. Like, they basically just accused him of murder and then were like, okay, let's do the lie detector now. Um, yeah. yeah. So that's why the, the I don't, I think these are the Midlothian police. I don't know. Some of the, the state police or local police consider him uncooperative. As part, they then in, inter, interrogate David for like five hours or something. And as part of that in, interrogation, they tell him that his daughter is dead. This is a little bit out of order. Like we already know they found the body, but at this point, David DeWallaby doesn't know that his daughter is dead. So when they tell him his daughter is dead, he doesn't believe them because he thinks that's a police tactic because he knows the police are allowed to lie to you. So he like storms out goes home and finds his wife and his mom crying on the couch because it's true. Jacqueline was found dead. But that's how they told him that news as part of the interrogation. Just terrible. Anyway, so the, after that, David and Cynthia actually tried for her murder on largely circumstantial evidence. So the evidence is that it's very weak. It's that the window might have been broken in from the inside, but the problem with that evidence is they didn't collect the window glass right away. They waited a few days. It had already been thrown out and they took it from a trash can. So they don't even have all the glass to work with. It, that, that like part of the prime crime scene was not preserved. The other part was that there is a like towel rack, like a metal rack with bars below that window. And they were saying if a grown man had stepped on that, it would have bent. Well, they actually had a neighbor crawl through that window on his stomach and show that you don't necessarily have to step on that towel rack to get down. So the fact that it's not bent isn't really evidence of anything. Um, this ended in a split decision, but David was convicted. Was this where they also had the witness with the the nose thing? Oh my God, yes. I didn't even write this down. This is so stupid. So <laughs> So stupid. A witness says that he saw someone with a prominent nose. Okay. Oh, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. Uh, that. <laughs> uh, I think like near the body, like in so, the parking lot near the body. But, yeah. but the photo, when you show people photos from a photo array to pick out a suspect, they are all supposed to be the same size so that one of them is not standing out, right? That was not true in this case. David Dwallaby's photo was significantly larger than the other photos. So his nose was significantly larger. The other thing is that this witness did not actually see the person. They only saw it was dark. It was in shadow. The witness was able to identify the exact area where they and when the police went there, you could see that it's like partially obscured from where they would have been. So they said that they saw the anatomical shape of a large nose. <laughs> And then for then somehow decided from the police lineup that that sh the shape of that nose was the same shape of Dave. 
It's yeah. completely yeah. ridiculous. I kind of rolled my eyes harder. It's like if you had an old timey silhouette, like just the the outline of someone's face, and you were walking down, like trying to, ma- oh, like oh yeah, this kind of like that's the worst eyewitness testimony I've ever heard. There and they're also- treating this like it's the but but and by they I mean like the prosecutors like that was ironclad evidence i'm not gonna see just the shape of someone's nose and then be able to tell from a picture of someone i don't know that that's yeah. their nose it's not even someone that knew him and recognized him it's just some stranger <laughs> no sense. it's terrible also a couple eyewitnesses said that they had seen cynthia's car by the dump site and then that was like later proven not to be true that her car was home the whole time so it's just co- like it's almost like just like gossip. It's, yeah. it's not evidence at all. So David was actually convicted with this shoddy evidence, but that attracted a lot of media attention, particularly it caught the attention of one reporter who, sorry, I failed to write down their name, but they got a lot of press coverage for this because it really didn't seem like justice had been served. And the court of appeals overturned that conviction after 18 months. We hear from the police that they still think that someone in the home was responsible for Jacqueline's death, which... I wrote down this is sort of similar to the John Bonet case in that way. Both with like this window break in um, evidence and them thinking that it's someone in the family. I don't know. Well, the, up- and the frustrating part. Oh, sorry. Go ahead with the update. Oh, the update is that David Duwalby is eventually officially exonerated. It's clearly not him. I think that that I they don't say what that means. I'm assuming that's from DNA evidence once once that becomes available. Um, and we do have a couple possible suspects from Unsolved Wiki, but go ahead. Well, I was just going to say the frustrating thing is that the the police the officer, the detective, I'm not exactly sure who it was at Unsolved Mysteries interviewed, said, as far as I'm concerned, they were not found innocent. There was not enough. The courts decided there was not enough evidence. That's to- how trials work. <laughs> so, which means they're, which basically they're saying without saying that they, they, we still believe they did it. So then, are you looking for? And if you believe they are guilty, and they, it was just a technicality where you didn't have enough evidence, then are, that mean I assume that means you're not actually looking for whoever did this. Yeah, that's a really good point. So, speaking I of the system <laughs> working perfectly. It's frustrating for them to be like, well, they weren't proven innocent. I was like, that's not what trials do. You yeah, failed, it's not, it's you, failed to to, you failed to prove them guilty, possibly because they did not do it. Yeah, the, the burden of proof. Aren't you supposed to know how this works? Uh, okay. But this is, okay, we have some kind of interesting possible suspects. Um, this is coming from Unsolved Mysteries Wiki. So after the broadcast, two viewers called the telecenter and refuted the alibi of one of the original suspects. The suspect was Timothy Guest, Jacqueline's biological uncle. Guest was a diagnosed schizophrenic who claimed he was working at a local restaurant the night of Jacqueline's murder. However, at least five regular patrons at the restaurant have stated that Guest was not there that night. Also, one of Guest's original alibi witnesses has since changed her story. Guest also has links to the apartment next to where Jacqueline's body was found. Jacqueline's case was reopened by the state attorney's office. However, trials were charges were never filed against Guest. According to journalist David Protest, oh, that's the journalist I was talking about earlier that I couldn't remember his name. Guest later told him that a spirit lived inside him and told him the details of Jacqueline's murder. 
Guess also told him about the layup layout of the Dwallaby home, even though he had supposedly never been inside. He also knew that the light was on in Jacqueline's closet, but not her bedroom, which is chilling to me. This detail had never been released to the public. Despite the evidence against him, Guess was never charged. He died in 2002. Another suspect, convicted sex offender Harry Horan- Perry Hernandez, was investigated. He committed a similar abduction one year after Jacqueline's murder. However, evidence on Jacqueline's body did not match him and was cleared by authorities. I think that's whatever evidence they're talking about on Jacqueline's body. Ugh. I'm assuming that's DNA evidence. I'm, I'm guessing that's also what cleared David Dewalby. The Dewalbys have since moved and changed their last names due to publicity, publicity from the case. They hope Jacqueline's murder can be solved. I... It's really fucking sad. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's possible I didn't do this justice either. I didn't do any more research on this. Um, it well, it kind of sounds to me. Yeah, I've been a little distracted. It's true. It sounds to me like it really might be the uncle. This this thing about yeah. a spirit possessed him and told him what happened. That kind of Knowing details old. that you really couldn't know unless you were there. I mean... That's it would make sense why that was the victim if his and his apartment is by the dump site and I don't know it just kind of makes sense it doesn't mean yeah. he did it but I w- I wouldn't be too surprised if that was the truth yeah. um is that the end there were only two mysteries in this episode the fuck <laughs> all right all right let's that read it this, yeah I guess let's read it let's uh, read it let's do this. I don't know how mis- so our first category is mysteriousness. I don't know how mysterious this is. No, I mean I like that we got a psychic. We haven't had a psychic mystery in a while, but it doesn't have a mysterious air to it. It's not it's just, super. It's yeah, a little more sad intriguing. because it's all these grieving families. Um, yeah, I'm gonna say thumbs down on mysteriousness, even though we don't know who killed Jacqueline either. Again, it's more sad. And the segment in general was more about the parents being accused of her murder. Yeah, that's um, true. They are looking for her, but there's not. They didn't have any evidence, right? So there wasn't much unsolved mysteries could say about it, except you know, this doesn't seem like yeah. The, the evidence was very flimsy. Yeah, so I'm not thinking it's that mysterious. No, um, no. the reenactments, fine, eh, I guess. Fine. Who I don't cares? know. So yeah. unimportant. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of how I'm feeling. Like, who? It, it doesn't matter. Um, and the fashion—I don't know. There were there was some blue eyeshadow at one point. I don't even remember who it was on. I don't and know. And a very plucked eyebrow. Oh, uh, wow! Yeah, that was the thinnest little eyebrow you ever did see. If you drew in, if you draw in your your eyebrows with just one line of eyeliner, they would be <laughs> thicker than these eyebrows somehow. Uh, yeah. Also, I only drew one mustache in this. It was from my case. And it was the cop that was, like, convinced they did it. So I don't even think he should win. I don't remember his mustache, to be honest. It was very pale, and I literally called it some old man. (laughs) But I don't want to give it to him. So I say there's no MVM. Yeah, Um, I'm on board The fashion was, like, who cares? I did like that Robert Stack seemed to be in Hollywood Forever Cemetery. That made me happy. And then I just thought about how, man, when the maybe when the world gets a little better, a little less weird, we should go to Hollywood Forever Cemetery, and that would be lovely. I would. That's a trip I would love to take. Yeah, that sounds so nice right now. I don't know if we're gonna get a chance to go to the Mothman Festival or not. It's too I soon know. to tell. So maybe we'll be able to uh, 
save up and such a bummer do something next year i know i was yeah. like honestly the only one of the only things i was looking forward to this year but that's it's really not important at this it's not you imp- know what i mean? mean things can be not important and still a bummer that's true like yeah yeah right? yeah of course the, a lot about the world is disappointed right now. It's disappointing right now. And some of them are significant. Some of them aren't. But the f- <laughs> we're it's in the middle of a pandemic. Like, it's a lot of emotions. I'm yeah. bummed that Uncle Hugo's, the sci-fi bookstore, burned down. Yeah. Because that place was just, like, such a gem. And it had so many, like, old paperback books that just had been clearly there forever. And it's yeah. like, how are they going to restart that, you know? Right. And is that the most important thing? No, of course not. But does it suck? Yeah, it kind of does. Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. Uh, we, um, I guess we have to rate it on a Robert Stack scale, but two, two and a I half. Guess. It was fine. It was. <laughs> I don't know. It's. I'm never gonna watch this episode again. No, I found the Jawalabi case kind of interesting. Um, but that's not enough for a whole episode. No, and I don't really. Where's I mean, the ghost? Where's George the Anderson, UFO? Where's George the yeah? Two mysteries, please. Yeah, please. honestly, we should rate it low just for two mysteries alone. I say it gets got. two because it's two mysteries. Yeah, right, there you go. <laughs> One rubber stack for each mystery. That's it's there only you go. fair. The end. Um, well, we're not going to do our regular recommendations this week. Uh, so many people have reached out asking if they're. T- ways to help that we wanted to address that instead who says an unsolved mysteries rewatch podcast can't be a positive force for change oh everyone well we're gonna again yeah listen up bitches our original plan was that we were each gonna choose two worthy organizations to recommend for folks who want to financially support or support in any way um but I think we both had a bit of an issue where we couldn't pick just two. I don't know. I, I felt I, overwhelmed. Honestly, I honestly started crying and Mac was like, what's wrong? And I was like, I don't know which one to pick. <laughs> now, granted, maybe that was, a you know, maybe I have some emotions and I just needed to get out. But it also did feel sort of overwhelming because How- there's a lot of people doing a lot of good. Yeah, um, which... That's great, but also it's like, how do I, how do I rank and like just pick like? There's not two that are like most important, right? Because there's so many. So, are there any like specifically that you know, maybe not just two or some that come to mind that you want to point out? Yeah. So we're gonna have a link in our show notes to a whole list of ways to help, and that you don't have to have money. You don't ready to donate. There's numbers to call. There's petitions to sign. There's other stuff to do if you want to help, but there's also a bunch of organizations and a little summary of what they do. And then you can go to their websites and check it out and see um, what you're most interested in supporting or where you think your money would do the most good. At this point, the freedom fund, the bail fund has $20 million. So they don't need your money right now. (laughs) If you would like to give it to someone else, we're going to be giving the Patreon money to reclaim the block. I think that's a really great organization. Uh, Something I didn't see on the list that I wanted to include was there is a fund to rebuild McGeezy, which is a Native American community center that burned down. And I think that's really important that we help them get rebuilt. They're only looking to raise $50,000. It seems very small and reasonable and if we could help them with that i think that would be great yeah 
Um, but there's a lot of other great organizations on there. Black Visions Collective. Yeah, the Reclaim Black the Visions Collective specifically is working with Reclaim the Block on a petition that you can sign that when I looked at it this morning did not have as many signatures as their goal. They have not met their goal. I think they were at like 87 signatures or 87 percent, sorry, 87 percent of their goal as far as signatures, which is a petition for uh, the city of Minneapolis to defund the Minneapolis Police Department. Um, so if you, I mean, that's something you could do right now to help that it doesn't cost a dime. You can sign their petition and help them reach their goal. I don't know where their goal will be at by the time this podcast episode comes out, but um, that's, like Liz said, a way that you could contribute. Um, you know, times are tough, right? We're in the middle of a pandemic. People are out of work. You might not have the financial means, but there, this list um, that I'm looking at right now, it's a Google Doc that I think is being continually updated, has tons of different ways that you can help. And that's just one of them. Yeah, I, we're all limited by our means, right? We're in, except Jeff Bezos, who never helps anybody. But <laughs> most if, of us are limited by our means. Most of us are limited by our means, but we're still, we're still doing what we can. And if that's signing a petition or if that's calling the the police department and saying you know third degree murder is not an appropriate charge or charge these other police officers like the community would really appreciate that i'm sure george's family would really appreciate that there's a organization called we love lake street which is an area that was really affected so you can yeah help with their cleanup efforts or you can give them money or you can you know see what else they're going to be doing to organize donations and stuff like that yeah (laughs) yeah i think that's all we had to say about that i I think so i wanted to point out more but it's just there's it's it is it's a bit overwhelming and in a good way right there's so many people that are stepping up to help and so many organizations that you know it's overwhelming to decide where the small amount of money that we have should go but that's that's a good problem to have i am hopeful maybe naively but i am hopeful that some good is going to come out of this and that some good can come out of the fact that we're all paying attention to George Floyd's murder. So let's help that along. Let's help justice along there. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Oh, everyone. I hope you're staying safe. I hope you're happy and healthy. Yeah. Uh, And we really appreciate your support. And like we've said it a couple times now, but we can't say it enough that, you know, those of you that have reached out to us, it's just, it means a lot. Um, because, you know, we we have five listeners and you all are the best. <laughs> I mean, we won't after this episode, but it's been a good <laughs> ride. It's been a good times have been good until, yeah. you know, they were really bad. Um, yeah, I think that pretty much sums it up. So you can find us on social media. Uh, we also have a website, perhaps it's you.com. I will also put a link... Uh, to all this stuff on our recommendations page um plus there's a form for getting in touch with us there so you know just use it if you have something constructive to say please oh my goodness uh (laughs) or you can please i am begging you uh or you can email us perhaps it's you podcast at gmail.com twitter instagram those are real Patreon. Did we say? Did we say Patreon? Oh, Patreon. We did get. Uh, we have already released our episode for May. That was us revisiting the low files, and I have to say that episode was a lot of fun. I really like doing it. I've listened to it a couple times because I'm vain, and <laughs> you know what? It's a good time. We might have time. to do the low files again for June, honestly, because it was so fun, and I just feel like we need some fun. <laughs> we need, even what if it's only an hour mad? of talking what about Rob Lowe. Would people be mad if we do it again? Because I want to do it again too. 
you know what? This is our podcast. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> you know what? You're so right. Okay. We did you- chicken people. Low I files. think we can do the low, low files. Low files. I want to um, talk about the secret space program in Rob Lowe. I don't know. I want to read captions of his sons making fun of him on Instagram. Yes. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> okay. Uh, da, 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 da. Is that all of the stuff that we say? Oh, five star reviews. We need some. Particularly at the end of this episode, I want to say that we only accept five star reviews. <laughs> so you can really keep those two star reviews to yourself. Write them on a piece of paper and throw it away because it's not <laughs> acceptable. Oh, I think, I think that's justice, it. justice for George Floyd, man. That's where it will end. Stay safe. Take care, everyone. We love you. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. Bye.